Masechet Kiddushin, Daf Ayin Aleph, some stories and statements about proper lineage. Amar Rabbi Hama Bar Hanina, Kesheh Baruch Hu Metaher Shevatayim, Shevto Shelevi Metaher Techila Shenemar Vigashav Mesaref Umtaher Kesef Vetihar Et Bene Levi, Vezikak Otam Kazahav Vechakasef, Vayul Adonai Magishem in Habistaka. Pasuk and Melachi teaches that when Hashem will come in the future to uh, purify the tribes, in other words, to see each tribe and uh, show the proper lineage of each of the families in the tribes, Hashem will start with Levi. Levi, very important. The Kohanim, Leviim, they have to know who's, uh, who's the proper Kohanim. How do we know that? Because it says that the refiner and the purifier of silver, so these are people that their occupation is to refine things, you purify silver, you uh, make sure to get out, to get, take out all the bad parts of it and keep only the, the pure silver. And so they will sit, this is a metaphor for the, um, the people, the courts, that will uh, purify the sons of Levi. So you see here, it says that Levi, it talks about Levi in particular. So that's how you know Levi is first. It will purge them like uh, gold and silver, and they shall be that will, will, will be the ones that will offer offerings, bistaka, in righteousness and truth. Uh, so they need to be refined first so that they can go and serve in the Bet Mikdash, Amar Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi, Kesem Metaher Mamzerim. Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi, following the same pasuk, says a very, very different uh, interpretation that money, having money, purifies Mamzerim. A person's rich, and somehow everybody wants to marry them anyway, even though they're Mamzerim, but it's a wealthy family. So people overlook uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, flaws in the family lineage, and they just ignore it, and they marry in, and then everybody forgets that they are mamzerim. Who will uh, be able to sit and be pure? Kesef, the he who is of money, he who has money. And what, how do we explain the rest of the Pasuk according to this? So those who uh, are, have, have righteousness, that they offer with righteousness, the Rabbi Yitzhak says that Hashem did a righteous act for Am Yisrael, that a family, once they become mixed up, they are mixed up and it's fine. In other words, if you know that a particular family, these are Avadim, Amzerim, Khalilim, okay, then you can't uh, marry them. You have to follow all the, all the laws of marriage. It depends. Some people can marry. You have to, whoever can marry them is allowed. You have to follow those laws because you know. But if they get mixed up, how do they get mixed up? I don't know. They move to another place and people don't know. Or they're rich and people don't care about it and so they overlook it and then they have children and grandchildren and by time by that time, people forgot that there was a there was some uh, problem beforehand so that's it it's okay if you don't know uh, that this family is a problem and you marry them it's okay once they get mixed up they get mixed up because otherwise right who could uh, who could prove absolutely go back uh, 10 20 30 generations that there was never any problem anywhere in the family so therefore uh, this is a great sedaka that if it gets mixed up then we don't worry about it kufa amar rav yuda mashmuel kol arasot isadel sistel veres israel isale babel okay we quoted rav yuda already before in the name of shmuel that said all the lands are like a mixture compared to israel and israel is like a mixture compared to babel meaning the people in babel that community 
they're very strict and they're in having proper lineage and so if you if you know someone is bavel you can marry them no questions asked um if they're from other lands that's the worst there's all mixed up of all kinds of people so then you have to check out everybody's lineage and Eretz israel is in the middle during time of the some of the sages got together and they said you know what we want to switch the status and we want to say that Eretz Yisrael is the top. If you're from Eretz Yisrael, no questions asked. And it's the Bavel people, they have to come, and if you want to marry someone from there, they have to prove their lineage, uh, because they felt like Eretz Yisrael is better. Be objected to this, because the B is from the family of the Nasi, who derives from Hillel, who uh, comes from Bavel. So the B's own family is from Bavel. And so now, if the rabbis come and decide, you know, the people from Bavel, they're so-so their lineage, then they're putting a thorn between the eyes of Rabbi Udanasi himself. And Rabbi says, if you don't believe me, I'll bring uh, an Eretz Yisrael sage, a true Eretz Yisrael sage, Rabbi Hanina Bar Chama, and he'll testify to you. The correct version is Pal Imahem Rabbi Hanina Bar Chama, and in fact he came. Amalem kach mekubalani Rabbi Yosmael, Rabbi Yose, Shama Mishum Aviv, Kol Asot Yisrael Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael Yisrael Bavel. I received this tradition way back, it goes all the way from to Rabbi, who said in front of from his father that all the lands are considered a mixture compared to Israel, and Israel is considered a mixture to compare to Bavel. Bavel is the best. And so right, the B wanted to make sure that he preserved that tradition in that hierarchy. Another time, in times of B. Pinchas, later on, a fourth generation Amorai in Israel, so much later, uh, again, they wanted to say that Bavel is secondary to Eretz Yisrael in terms of its lineage. So very funny story. Rabbi Pinhas said he had to correct this because he didn't think it was correct. So he wants to go and teach in the Bet Midrash um, a law that was not going to be popular. So he tells his, uh, his servants, uh, listen, I'm going to teach two halachot in the, in the Bet Midrash. As soon as I finish the second halacha, take me on, a, on a, uh, a stretcher or a litter and run me, get me out of there because they're going to attack me for saying this. Okay, he's going to drop a bombshell, chidush over there, not going to be a popular message, and they're going to come attack me, get me out of there quick, um, quick escape. So the first thing comes in, and the first thing he says that the shechita for birds is not required min ha-Torah. Uh, it's only, only mid-Rabbanan. So, this is interesting halacha. So now they're all looking at it uh, uh, and, and analyzing to see, oh, let's see, what's the source? How do you know you have to do shechita? Is there a source in Torah or not? Now, this law was just a distraction, right, to make them look over there. And then here he gives the real bombshell. All the other lands are a mixture compared to Israel. And Israel is a mixture compared to Bavel. Bavel is the best. So he throws this tradition in there while they all want to, are about to vote to say otherwise, right? So now he says, no, authoritative tradition. Uh, Bavel is the best. You can't switch it. Now they're all upset because they wanna they wanna make Eretz Yisrael the best. But his servants take him quickly and evacuate him. And all the people in Bet Midrash they're all running after him as fast as they can, but they can't get him. Right. So this is this was a really heated issue.
Anyway, Yashu Batku Since he did say that, so they said, let's go and check and see. Right, the families here that are in, in, in Eretz Yisrael. And, like, you know, let's try to prove that, in fact, we have good lineage people here. So they started, started checking, and they get to a dangerous place. Dangerous because some of the people that were in power there in Eretz Yisrael had uh, problematic lineages. And, you know, just like we saw about Rabbi, the uh, Nasi. Oh, what are you going to say? Something about him? You can't do that. Um, so, but now he was from from Bavel, so he was okay. But there's other people in Eretz Israel that were important people, leaders, rich people, powerful people, and now they start looking and they say, "Oh, wait, look at that grand grandmother, grandfather. It was a problem." And so they said, "You know what? Forget about it." So this is another example of the uh, principle we said before: once people are mixed in, just let it go. You don't want to. Uh, um, uh, open up and find skeletons in the closet. But in fact, Eretz Yisrael had its share of lineage problems. Rabbi Yochanan, the greatest sage of Eretz Yisrael, says by the sanctuary, he, he, he swears, uh, we can uh, reveal problematic identities, right? It's in our hands to do that. But what can I do? Because it's some of the Gedolei Hador, have have a mixture of flawed uh, lineage with within them. They're all they're all mixed up. Most people don't know them. If I did, if I went and you know uh, uh, did research, I can reveal them. Maybe I know them secrets. Um, but we don't we don't talk about these things. Um, and we just we let it go. We let them get mixed up. And it's not just uh, from some fringe families or you know that moved in uh, from who knows where. These are our major gedolehador. So we don't talk about this. He agrees with the statement of Rabbi Yisrael that we just said, that once a family becomes mixed in, they have mixed in and forget about it. Abaye says, I can prove this principle from the Mishnah in Masechet Eduyot, that there was this family called Bet Serifa. They lived on the other side of the of the Yarden. And there was this this tough guy, Ben Sion, and he said, This this family is out. No good. Bad lineage. We don't know who this Ben Sion is, <laughs> but he was you know, he wanted to uh, keep the lineages known, and he said that they're no good. Actually, we're going to find out he was wrong. He pushed them away wrongly, but he was a tough guy, and nobody could argue with him. In another case, Ben Sion, there was some other case, and he said, no, they're good, they're kosher, even though they weren't. Notice, we don't mention the name of the family that really wasn't good, that he said was good. Because we don't, uh, even the Gemara here is not going to mention them, not to out them, uh, just you know, let them get mixed in. Whereas the other family that Ben Sion said was no good, but they really are good, the Talmud, the Mishnah here does mention, Beta Sirifa, all right, because you know, we should record for all time that they are good. So even within the Mishnah itself, uh, you see that they're not interested in outing people that have problems. Mishnah says, it's the examples of these families that when Eliyahu Navi comes, he will um, say, what's Tameh and what's Tahor? 
who is who should be sent uh, sent away and who should be brought forward um, this could relate to who's a proper Kohen or Halal, who is a Mamzer and not a Mamzer. It's these, but only these families who people like Ben Sion came and they wrongly accused or wrongly brought forward, but everybody knows that this was not proper, not properly done. So in those cases, Eliyahu will come and make and fix it. And if it was, uh, uh, and if they're no good, he'll say they're no good. If they're good, he'll say they're good. Um, but only these that we know. But if it was mixed up and that's it, after a couple of generations, you don't remember, then believe it. Even, even Eliyahu Navi is not going to come and publicize and say, oh, this family, right, 10 generations ago. There was some problem there, Mamzer. Look, it's all the way down. Look at all this whole family. Even Eliyahu Navi, even though he knows everything and he can figure, he can uh, reveal it all. He's going to leave it, leave it as is. If it's mixed up, it's mixed up. Only if there was someone that was wrongly uh, judged, and everybody knows they were wrongly judged, like that, like this Ben Sion cases. Only those are the things that he will clarify. Tosefta in Ediot says there was a yet another family with flawed lineage, right? But like this is adding to the what the Mishnah said, but the sages did not want to reveal it, right? Same principle. We see here that we, uh, uh, they, if it's if it's already not known, okay, we'll just uh, ignore it. However, the Chachamim themselves, they do keep it a secret and they tell only, they don't publicize it, but they do tell their students about certain families, certain people that are a problem, and they mention it once every seven years, or some some say twice every seven years. In other words, the, the, the rabbis, they want to have some recognition so that maybe they themselves will not marry into those families. They're not a hundred percent. Okay, they're not gonna give them problems that they can't marry anybody else. But uh, for themselves, they want to remember who it is. So only once, once, uh, once every seven years or once every three and a half years, the rabbis will gather the students. And says, listen, we have, uh, you know, we have through the, these particular families. Uh, there's, there's, uh, there's problems in their lineage. It makes sense that it's the less often, once in seven years, not twice in seven years. As we see a Braita teaches, if someone says, I'll be a Nazir if I don't reveal the names of the families, he should be a Nazir and not reveal names of the families. Generally, we don't want people to be a Nazir. And you know, if someone says, I'll be a Nazir if I jump up three times today. Say, don't jump up three times today. Better not to be a Nazir. Take upon yourself a serious vow. Right? We, we don't like that. But if the alternative is revealing names of such families, you know what? Be a Nazir. Don't reveal names. So as much as possible, we keep it secret. Um, uh, um, and so um, this small circles, of, of uh, rabbis they would they would pass it on and you know try to try to avoid these things but they wouldn't publicize it since we talked about some one thing that the rabbis keep secret now there's other secrets that the rabbis don't say that the name of Hashem of four letters um, the we know the name Yod Kevav Kev, but the exact pronunciation uh, we don't know. The the nikudot that are generally on the letters Yud Kevav Kev are actually kriuchtiv. Those nikudot are for 
the way we pronounce Aleph, Dalet, Nun, Yud. We don't have Nikudot. This is the most common Kiriuchtiv in Old Tanakh every time, every Yud Kevavke. Um, so the, uh, the exact pronunciation, the rabbis would tell their students once every seven years, as a, as a reminder, some say twice every seven years. And this makes sense less often, once, only once a week, once a Shemitah. Because uh, the Pasuk says, this is my name forever, but the word Le'olam can be read, Le'alem, to remain hidden. Let my, let, let the Hashem's name has to be hidden. It's, uh, a, a, it's a mysterious, a sign of respect not to say it. People will, will use it the wrong way, take God's name in vain. So we um, keep it secret. Rava one time wanted to teach the 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 uh, pronunciation of Hashem's name in a public lecture. Pirka is a public lecture that the rabbi would give on Shabbat or Yom Tov, what everybody expected to be there, his colleagues, his students, and the masses of people, just regular laymen, men, women. Uh, and so anything you say in the Pirka, number one, is authoritative, like that's the halakha lemaseh, but it's also for the general public. So then, um, an elder said, no, no, you have to keep it secret. Well, you can only tell your, uh, your students, you cannot reveal it in public. So, the, it says on the one hand, this is my name, but then it says, this is my remembrance, or this is the way I'm mentioned. Why, what is it? Which way is it? Which one is it? Zeshemi or is it Zezichri? And Akash Baruch explains, I, my name is not, the, is, not, uh, is not, is written one way, but pronounced a different way. It's not pronounced the way it's written. It's written as Aleph, uh, 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 as, it's written as Yudke, Yudke Vavke, but we don't read it like that. Hashem's name, Yud Ke seems to come from the root of being, Hayah, uh, And However, we don't read that. Instead, we read it as Aleph Dal Nun Yud, which means master, my master. Um, so just to get a sense of Hashem is our master, and that's the way we say it, even though uh, this is, and that's the way it's officially written in the Torah, is Yud Ke but again, as a Kri Uchtiv. At first, uh, um, the Hashem's 12-letter name, we don't know exactly what this 12-letter name is, right? Some of the commentaries and Kubalim have different uh, uh, suggestions. But originally, this 12-letter name, that uh, people would teach anyone. Maybe that they would teach the Kohanim, or people needed to know it. But then, you had people that were um, just uh, le- le- letting loose with it. Um, and uh, they were using it disrespectfully. So they said, we're not going to teach everybody this name. Only those who are discreet, who are... Uh, who are and they would use it during Berkat Kohanim, right? There's three times you have Hashem's name. So while the other Kohanim just said the four-letter name, which is only two syllables, 
or uh, uh, however you pronounce it, two syllables, three syllables, um, and um, uh, but they would sing it, right? Like we do today, we sing Kohanim. So they would say singing, be singing it, and taking a, taking a while. While they were doing it, the Sinoim that knew the twelve-letter name, which takes longer to pronounce, they would mavliya, they would swallow it, meaning they would say it under their breath quickly. Um, uh, during the Birkat Kohanim. Tanya Marbitarfon, Pamachat Aliti, Achar Achi Emi Laduchan, Vitaeti Ozni Esel Kohen Gadol, Veshamati Shivli Hashem Nimat Ehava Kohanim. The Bitafon, who was a Kohen, says, One time I went and uh, did Kohanim with my uh, uncle. His, his wife was also a Bat Kohen, so his uncle is a Kohen. And I listened in to the Kohen Gadol, right? I, I, I was there I was in the Bet Mikdash. And I was able to to uh, hear the Kohen Gadol that he swallowed uh, the name, the the longer name of Hashem, while the other Kohanim were singing the longer melody. And Rav says as he had another longer name with the forty-two letter name of Hashem, and we only told tell that to people who are. Sanua, uh, discreet, anav, and humble, and only when they reach half of their years. Well, how do you know? How do you know how long you're going to live? To half your years. So the rabbi say, well, uh, standard is seventy years, um, uh, uh, as it says in Tehillim, shivim shana. So thirty-five years old, you can't know it until you're then. You're more mature. Ve'no ko'es, person doesn't get angry. Ve'no mishtaked, who doesn't drink, because you can't you can't uh, do kohanim or or serve when you're drunk, but so they don't drink at all, so they won't worry. And he doesn't insist on his rights, he yields, he's forgiving. And anyone who doesn't know it and is careful with it and keeps it only betahara, he only uses it in, in, in purity correctly. He is beloved above and he's uh, a beloved below by Hashem and by people. And his the fear uh, he his fear will be upon his, the the other creatures. I mean, people will will fear him, and he inherits two worlds: this world and the next world. All right. If anybody wants to know the. 42 letter name you can ask me after uh, it won't help though i don't know it either amash shmuel mishmehad saba ba'avel bechaskat kishara omedet achi vadat lecha bame nifsela shmuel said in the name of an elder that ba'avel if anyone's from ba'avel you can assume that they are kosher until you know for sure that the certain family ba'avel is no good right so that's the benefit of ba'avel it's like pure flour and you can assume they're good unless you uh, know otherwise. If someone's from any other lands, not Israel, then you have to assume that they have a problematic lineage until they prove that they're good. When it comes to Israel, if they have a chazakah that their family is good, is, is no good, then it's no good. If they have a chazakah that's kosher, then it's kosher. Now, what do you do in Israel if they have no chazakah either way? Hagufa kashya. We see there's a contradiction. Amat muhzak the pasul pasul has kasher. On the one hand, you said if it's uh, uh, if they have a chazakah that they're no good, so then they're no good. But that means if there's no chazakah at all, then they'd be kosher. But the next clause, v'adatane muhzak le kasher kasher has pasul. If they have a chazakah that they're kosher, 
Then we know they're kosher. With no chazakah at all, we would assume that they're no good. So what do we do when there's no chazakah at all? Amaravuna bar takhlifa mishmed rab la kashya. Depends if he's trying to get married or if he's already married. If he wants to get married, uh, is this from someone? From, if you want to marry someone from Eretz Yisrael, and there's no chazaka, well then uh, prove, prove that you're good. You need proof. If they're already married, the avad, then and there's no chazaka, then you leave it as is. You're not going to make them get divorced. Amar of Yosef. He says anyone whose speech, his accent, is a Babylonian accent, then they can get married because if they have an accent, even if they're not in Babel, we assume that they were from Babel. Um, there, there was uh, even if they all spoke Aramaic, this Babylonian Aramaic is one dialect is different from the dialect that uh, of Aramaic that was spoken in Israel. However, people uh, got wind of this. And they were able to copy the Babylonian accent so that they'd be accepted. So now that we have these swindlers who uh, trick people with them, use a Babylonian accent, then we have to be concerned and they actually have to prove that they're from a proper family. If they're not actually in Babel. And now Ze'iri, he was from Babel. So he has, you know, higher standards of lineage. And he went to Eretz Yisrael to study from the great Rabbi Yochanan. Um, and Rabbi Yochanan was so impressed by Zeriri, he said, come marry my daughter. Very nice, very big zechut to be the son-in-law of the great, greatest sage in the generation. But Zeriri did not want to. Um, so he was, he was avoiding Rabbi Yochanan. He would sit in the back of the class over here. He wouldn't have a direct content because every time he goes to Rabbi Yochanan, he says, come, come marry my daughter. And he didn't want to because Rabbi Yochanan is from Eretz Yisrael. And Eretz Yisrael, even the family of Rabbi Yochanan, Zaidi was suspect. This is maybe their lineage is not so good. So one day, they're walking along um, uh, and they see a big puddle. And Zaidi, this is what's proper to do for one's rabbi, uh, the rabbi shouldn't have to walk through the puddle. So Zaidi lifted Rabbi Yochanan up on his shoulders, carried him over the puddle. Rabbi Yochanan says, Oh, our Torah is kosher, but our daughters are not kosher, right? I see that you're my student, and because I see you're my student because you treat me like your rabbi. Carry me like this, very nice. Okay, so we're worthy enough that you can learn Torah from me, but we're not worthy enough over here that my, my daughter you can't marry? What's your problem? Is it from the Mishnah that says all kinds of people went to uh, our, our Mishnah, right, and all ten, 10 different groups, and among the groups it says um, uh, that they came from Babel, Kohanim and Leviim. Now, did all the Kohanim live in Israel? Did they all leave Babel and go to Eretz Israel? No. That means that some Kohanim, some Leviim, and some kosher Israelim went uh, from Babel to Eretz Israel. Good. So, ever you agree with that, right? So just like not every, not all the Kohanim and kosher people went, some stayed behind in Babel and some went, so too for all the other categories, the Mamzerim and the Netinim and the Asufim, also some of them went to Israel, 
But some of them stayed in Babel. So you think you're so great in Babel? You think you don't have any Ramzirim over there? Any, uh, 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 any Halalim? Yeah, you have also the same 10 categories, right? If they came to Israel, that means some were left behind too. However, the Gemara says, not, does not agree with Rabbi Yochanan. And says Rabbi Yochanan forgot the statement that Rabbi Yochanan said that when, Bavel, when Azra left Bavel, he left Bavel as pure flour. He, in fact, only left behind kosher families. And although he didn't take all the Kohanim and Levim, obviously, there's Kohanim and Levim that he left there. Um, but he took with him all of the problematic families. And uh, so that's why Za'idi did not want to marry the Biohanan's daughter. Okay, another story. So Ula, who comes from Eretz Yisrael, he would go back and forth a lot. He went to Pupedita, the, to the house of Rav Yehuda. And uh, he sees, Rav Yudah, by the way, is the one who said this statement that we started with, the Gufa, oh, way up here, right? Rav Yudah, in the name of Shemuel, that all the land, right? Bavel is the best land. So that's the same Rav Yudah we're talking about here. And he said, um, uh, he saw Rav Yitzchak, the son of Rav Yudah, who is already an uh, adult, and was not married. So Ula was wondering, So how come you don't get a, a daughter, a, a wife for your son? Why don't you get a, a daughter? How come you're not marrying off your son? Where can I find someone who will be proper lineage, right? Because he, he's the one that said the statement about Babel is the best. So he's very, very careful about lineage. As I can't, I don't know who to trust. Ula says, what, you think that we all know? Everybody knows where we come from? Look at the Pasuk in, in Echa that says, uh, they, the Babylonians, came and ravished the woman in Sion, the maidens of Yehuda. Who knows, right, which woman they are? This happened to the whole nation, even before they went to Babel. And uh, uh, who knows who might be a descendant of, of uh, one of these women. And that means their you know, great-great-grandfather uh, way back was some Babylonian. Maybe you'll say, follow, we follow the opinion that says, a non-Jew or Evid Kena'ani that has a child with a kosher Jew, the child is kosher. And so it wouldn't matter, these are kosher women, and so it wouldn't matter if, if some Babylonian soldier was their father, great-great-great-grandfather. Okay, but maybe uh, one of our families, who knows, is from these that Amos describes. Say he describes people that lie on beds of ivory and stretch upon themselves upon couches. Now, What's so bad about that? They urinate in front of their couches naked. They don't care. They just they don't go to the bathroom. They just right in the middle of the living room. Disgusting. And the uh, would ridicule them. So wait a second. Just because they did that, uh, should they? It says about read them in the in the in the pasuk a couple of pasukim later. It says they're going to go into exile. The first ones to go into exile. 
Um, we understand this is a disgusting thing to do, but just because they urinate in front of their couches, they should uh, go uh, into exile first. I mean, it's disgusting, but it's not like, you know, that it's not the worst possible uh, thing a person can do. Rather, this is the interpretation that is relevant for us here. These are people that eat and drink together, men and women, different couples, and they attach their beds together, and they swap wives, and they uh, uh, defile their uh, beds with zera that is not theirs, and so their children, we don't know who the father is of these people's children and this happened in the time back in the time of amos so this is when they're and the whole nation is before the galut who knows who uh, might be a descendant from one of those families uh, right so therefore nobody knows nobody knows better anyway so just marry someone you're never gonna find someone 100 percent that you can tell that just, uh, 10 20 generations ago uh, they were never a part of any problem. So Ravida said to Ula, so what, what can I do? How can I clarify? Is there got to be some way I can test out uh, who's, who's a good family? Ula says, you follow silence. This is what we do in the West, in Eretz Yisrael. Um, if there's two people that are fighting with each other, um, we see who is silent first. Who who gives up? Um, fighting meaning they're they're exchanging words, right? And they're calling each other names. Let's say, and one says, oh, "You're a you're a Eved. No, you're a Mamzer." Calling each other. Who will be quiet first and just let it go? That's a finer quality, and that finer quality means they're a finer lineage. That's our test. Okay. Rav also a generation before Rav Yehuda. First generation says that the silence in Bavel is also its lineage, right? That this say uh, this is a, the silence test is also done now only done in Israel, also done in Bavel. Hold on, we have a tradition that Rav went to this house of the vinegar strainer, interesting job near the vinegar strainer, and he checked them out to see if they were uh, good. Funny, like he's a strainer, and then Rav has to go and make sure they're pure. So didn't examine their lineage. He said, "Who's your father? Who's your mother? Who's your grandparents?" Right? Didn't he do that and make a whole family tree? He says, "No, la He did the silence test. Right? He went and found someone that they are fighting with, and said and analyzed their fight. And he saw whether they were silent first. And I would explain. This is how the test works. Go see if they're silent or they don't or they're not silent. You know, start up with them a little, and uh, make cause. I don't know if you have to cause a fight or just wait till they fight with someone, and then you see if they forego their honor, uh, then they're okay. Uh, the idea behind this might be that people who have problematic lineage and they they tend to be shunned by society they're angry angry at people around them and so 
they're um, uh, more likely to start and keep up a fight for longer. That's one explanation, uh, she says. Another possibility is that we saw before that if someone calls other people names, then actually they're revealing their own flaw. Someone who goes around saying that uh, you're a mamzer, you're a mamzer, really they're projecting their own problem, their own insecurity. And so if the, the party that continues calling names said, no, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, and doesn't stop it means that they actually are revealing that they are actually ha- they actually have that problem furthermore taught if you see two people that are arguing with each other then uh, it's a sign that there's some problem in one of the families and therefore don't let them get married um, because right the one one or the other has a problem says the same law, not about two people, but about two families. Sometimes they have family feud, and uh, this they're both uh, the, uh, going at going at, at, at each other's uh, throats. So then you know that there's some problematic lineage, one of them, and therefore. But this is a, a, a divine sign that they shouldn't be marrying them, mar- marrying each other. That's why they're fighting. The elder said name of Rav. That Bavel is healthy, meaning the people in Bavel are, um, are, are of good lineage. Mishon, the people in Mishon, that's dead. They're all all no good. They they all promiscuous. I don't know what they do there. Madai is sick. Elam is um uh, is on his deathbed. Now what's the difference between sick and on his deathbed? Well, most people who are sick are get better. So most of them, most of the people there, if you check it, check it, they'll they'll be okay. Whereas um, in Elam, uh, here's Elam over here. This is all places around Tigris, Euphrates. Uh, here Madai. Um, those people. If you check them, most of them are going to die. So it's not as bad as Mishan. There, everybody's totally dead. No bad lineage. Um, but in Ilam, uh, just only most of them. Now we're going to define the exact borders of Bavel for the purpose of lineage. Right? Where exactly do they have to live uh, that they, we can assume that they're of good lineage? So the Rav and Shemuel may name different rivers as the borders. These are two rivers that empty into the Euphrates. And now we ask in the northern part, right, the upper part of the Tigris, River, what's the most northern uh, place? Everybody lives along the river, so yeah, really just have to worry about where along the river, where do you stop? Okay, different places along the river. We ask, what about Mushkane itself? Is that included or not? Is it not included? Shemuel said, Mushkane is like the exile, meaning like Pavel, so it's good for the purpose of, uh, of lineage. When we say until, we mean including the place of Mushkane. What about downstream uh, in the Tigris, which, more, which is southward? Tigris flows south. 
Um, what's the lowest, uh, the most southward that we include for lineage? Uh, until the lower apamya. In fact, there were two. Uh, there was an upper one and a lower one. Between the two, there is a parsang of, uh, of distance, and one is kosher and one is not kosher. They would not intermingle with each with each other. They would one would not even lend the uh, lend the other of uh, uh, lend the other fire. Fire is easy to lend because you you know you just share a fire and then there's more fire. And I'm giving him anything. Even that they would have no social contact in order that it not lead to any intermarriage. Now, how do you know which one is the kosher one and which one not? The one that speaks the Mishon dialect, like Meshan that we saw above, is a place that's uh, dead already, right? So this dialect means they, they're associated with that, and that place is no good. Le'el bifrat adhecha. Now, how about in the Euphrates, up uh, north, what's the northernmost point on the Euphrates? That is still considered good. Rav Amar Ad Akra de Tul Banke. Shmuel Amar Ad Gishra de Beperat. Yochanan Ad Amar Ad Maabarat de Gizma. So three opinions. Rav says until the fortress, and Shmuel says until the bridge of the Euphrates. Yochanan says until the crossing at Gizma. Layet Abayev Item Rav Yosef Ad Rav. And these later sages would curse one who follows the opinion of Rav, because Rav, that fortress, is way north. And that's like, whoa, that's too far. Even people up there? No, we can't trust those lineages. Now we ask, they only, why would they only curse if you follow Rav and not follow, curse people that follow Shemuel? Because Shemuel, that bridge of uh, Perat, is even farther north. Rather, they would curse anyone who follows Rav, and all the more so if you follow Shemuel, which is even farther north. Or, we got the um, placement wrong. And in fact, they would only curse those who, those who follow Rav, but not Shemuel, because that bridge is actually more south. Meaning it used to be more south in the time of Shemuel, and now the Persians moved the bridge up, up north. So don't go, you can't go by the, uh, the maps that are currently, current now. You have to update them. So on this side of the, uh, the western side of the Euphrates, what's the farthest? What's, what city are you thinking about? That's on this side. Biram? Yeah, the people, the pure people in Pupedita, they marry women from Biram. So therefore, Biram is assumed to be within the borders. Amen, amen.